Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians, and we love to read and talk about books. And today we're doing a preview of the books that we're looking forward to this spring and summer. So we used to do this every quarter, and now we've changed it. We do it every six months. So we look at a longer time frame, which makes it so much harder because there are so many good books coming out. But that's sort of what makes it fun because you have to really pick the the best of the best for in your brain and I know so, but it was, it, it's hard it was hard this time I feel like I always say that but my gosh yeah. there were so many books uh that I considered and then there are so many books I'm looking forward to in uh spring and summer yeah. so uh, this was a hard one Ooh, can can we are, are we allowed to say the new development in my yes life? I was going to suggest that yeah because <laughs> it will so, impact the podcast yes well. yes yeah. so as Hallie has mentioned many times, she is a part of um, the RUSA uh, reading list committee, and I have joined that committee this year. So, yes. um, so I'm very excited. I've been both terrified and <laughs> jealous of of her involvement for the past three years, and um, and this year I just thought, well, I'll always wonder if it was something for me, yeah. and so I decided to do it. So, um, so we did our our reading resolutions a couple of episodes ago and so I said a lot of things that may not happen this year yeah because yeah, cause you didn't know yet right well we right, did that yeah. right yeah yeah so, so yeah so we just started about a was gosh time loses all meaning but I think it was about a week ago <laughs> I sent out the first email or was yeah. it the beginning yeah because you're the chair ago. this year so I'm the chair yes this is my last exciting. year of eligibility to be on you can do it for four years and this is my last year and I am the chair this year, so I kind of got the ball rolling and laid out the guidelines and all those sorts of things. So is it, how do you feel now that you have a good sense of what's in front of you for the year? I feel I feel okay. I feel a little less scared. That, I mean, I, I think that the months where you're reading to decide the official nominations mm-hmm. is, is a little scarier where it's like really dedicated for those months. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it feels a little bit, uh, more doable because okay. it's it's not um, like as you learn from from seeing more more um, seasoned members mm-hmm. of the committee you're not mm-hmm. trying to read literally everything that right, is right. presented to you you're right. just like picking stuff you you have to read the things that you suggest but you're mm-hmm. but besides that it's like people will help you if you don't right. find a, right. a right. sci-fi book that you love there's mm-hmm. other people that are reading more of that right. that will help you find one so I was I was more under the impression that if I didn't find one that I liked I just had to keep reading Mm -hmm. um until I found one and that that scared me (laughs) yeah my yeah so I mean I've talked about this before my the biggest thing for me in the reading to find nominations is I always want to make sure that we're considering all of the possibilities as a group so that's the one thing that sort of adds pressure I think is so it's shockingly I've already read a couple of books that I'm like oh this could actually be a really good nomination which this is very early in the year to even be considering that yeah Uh, but you know I'm certainly not ready to declare that I'm going to nominate them because there are so many other books to consider that I haven't had a chance to read yet and that other nobody else has read yet either and so that to me is the part that feels especially the second half of the year right now it feels very doable but then I hit a point which I think I've talked about before I hit a point usually in about 
September, late August, where you it's becoming very real how many books you have sitting around your house and yeah. how little time you have left to read them. So that to me is the part where every year, and I talked about this in our reading resolutions episode, every year I try to figure out the best way to manage the reading only not from a time standpoint because I read a lot no matter what more from I'm making sure that I'm reading what I want to be reading and what yeah. I should be considering so yeah so I'm glad you're on it it will uh so just so everybody knows this might affect our um the books we talk about for the next 10 months or so because generally we try not to repeat books that we've talked about in the past and we definitely try not to talk about the same book, in, you know, that we're both reading in a week. Yeah. But depending on what the situation is, there could certainly be times where we are reading books, the same books in very cl- close proximity to each other. I mean, there is going there is going to be about a hundred and about probably right around a hundred book overlap between your reading and my reading this year. Yeah. So that's going to be it would be a little bit too difficult for the next year, I think, to say that we're not going to talk about books that the other one has already talked about so um just so everybody's aware i hope that doesn't take away the enjoyment because we obviously have very different reading tastes so i think that even if we did talk about the same book we we could bring different perspectives to right it. So I think right that right would be fine right and we definitely are not going to be uh dipping into the same um pool like personal pool of books every right. time like like right. i know we've both complained about podcasts where someone says like suggests the same book for a topic every single time that like they only have one book and they somehow have made it work for many many different uh scenarios we're not ever going to do something like that so no i'm thinking more of there will be about 12 science fiction books and 12 fantasy books that we both are reading and so that's where i guess that's where especially towards the November through January time frame, we're going to have a lot of overlap of what we've been reading. So yeah, uh, just just sharing that with everybody. I think yeah. it's something we had to think about when we uh, when we came upon the fact that yeah. we were both going to be on the same committee. So it's exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm very excited that audiobooks are an option too. Because they are. Yes, that option, uh, yes. commutes. Uh, not that we're commuting right now, yeah. but driving is a very dead time that yeah. can be used for better things than. Uh, not doing your committee commitments. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So my guess is a lot of the books that we're talking about today are books that we would be considering or at least are eyeing to consider for this coming year um, in the different genres that we award our uh, list designations to. So why don't you go ahead and start with your your first pick? And my first one, actually, I don't think is would be considered oh. for it. So that's... Um, kind of interesting but this is one that I've had on my I'm on my mind for a while and um is actually the first thing that sort of popped into my head when I started putting my list together um and thankfully it's the first one published too <laughs> so it is Call Baby by Morgan Jenkins and it comes out um on April 6th and I'm just really weirdly excited for this I'm not really sure why because um it's more literary and I don't usually go that direction but it it has a really intriguing premise to me so it's about a family called the Melancon Melan Melancons. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and they're well respected and powerful, and they're from Harlem, and they are revered for their call, which is the the membrane that covers babies when they're born, and sometimes it remains intact. And um, 
and that's a real thing. And um, but in this case, it's it's considered to have mystical healing properties. And so people in the in their community will go to them for a piece to help them with whatever ailment they have. And so a woman named uh, Lila is desperate for a child and she's had several miscarriages. And so she goes to this family for help and strikes a deal for a piece of the call. And um, that ends up falling through and her baby is stillborn. And so at the same time, her niece Amara has given birth to a baby with a call um, and she's not a part of this family, but she's ambitious and she's getting an education. And so she gives up her baby to the, um, to the maybe it's Melancourts. I don't know. I I wrote this really la- late last night as I was telling Hallie, um, so I'm not sure what I wrote. But this family um, has is given this baby to raise, and so when she grows up, her name is is Hallow, and she feels like something is off in her life, and so um, eventually uh, she has her path cross with her mother Amara, and her mother has been nursing a grudge against the family, and so there's intrigue that will happen so i i just think it sounds fascinating i've i've never really uh, it just sounds weird to me i i don't know it sounds so interesting so um i'm i'm really excited about this it has a really gorgeous cover too very very vibrant colors and so um i'm just have been really drawn to this so that is call baby it's c-a-u-l baby by morgan jenkins all right so i'm going to start by apologizing because i usually put these in release date order from earliest to latest and right. I forgot to do that this time so <laughs> I actually didn't even put release dates on half of the books that I'm going to be talking about in my notes so I'm going to be looking them up as I am about to talk about them so I just want to say that flat out usually that's part of you can you know, the first book would be the soonest to be released and I don't yeah. think that's going to be the case this time so also well, we talked about makeup for an hour before we, we started did. recording instead of using that time to get our notes in order <laughs> So, so that's okay. That's fine. That's the real life of, of the well-read yeah, podcast. Exactly. Uh, and dogs. We talked about dogs, too. Yeah, always. Uh, all right. So my first one is The Rose Code by Kate Quinn. It comes out, it looks like, on March 9th. So just about a week away, not too long. Uh, and Kate Quinn wrote The Alice Network and The Huntress. And the Al- I liked The Huntress, but The Alice Network, I really, really loved. So I'm excited yeah. for this one. It's another historical novel about spies. So that's, if you've read The Alice Network, there is a spy element to that story. But this time, it's about three women who are code breakers in World War II in Bletchley Park. Bletchley Park? Yes. Bletchley yes. Circle? Yeah, some, Bletchley Park, I think. Um, yeah. So what it sounds like is that they all come from very different backgrounds. One is a socialite debutante from a very wealthy background. One is a genius, but very, very shy. And one comes from a more modest uh, family background and is determined to overcome her circumstances. Uh, so they're working together at Bletchley Park and they form a friendship and then one of them becomes convinced that there's a traitor also working there and takes it upon herself uh, to try to uncover who that traitor is. Uh, and no one outside of this group of three friends believes her. So something happens. She, You know this right at the beginning. Uh, she ends up in a mental institution because of her accusations. So several years later, they come together to figure out who the traitor was. They're going to break the code of who this traitor was. Uh, and part of the background action is um, that the what's 
happening after the war time period where they're figuring out who the traitor was is uh, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth and Philip are about to get married. So it's obviously Ooh. a big, big deal, big royal wedding. And the socialite woman had a bit of a dalliance with Philip prior to the war. So um, so this just feels like a lot of good juicy stuff in here. I mean, the code breaking is always fascinating. You have a little bit of the society uh, drama scandal stuff with uh, the wedding and then female friendship. I always love that, uh, you know, stories about how people come together and support each other in their time of need. So it sounds absolutely right up my alley. In fact, I uh, I think this is the next book I'm going to read. I just finished a book last night and I think this is the very next one I'm going to read. And that is The Rose Code by Kate Quinn out on March 9th. That one sounds so good. That's yeah. The Alice Network is one of those books that that made me rethink my anti uh, World War Two historical fiction yeah. stance because it was and that one's more World War One actually. Yeah, it's more it. it's World War One and then after World War Two when they're right. trying to find her right the, the younger um, cousin yeah right and and I just was so the cover sort of fits in with all of those other mm-hmm. um, novels and and I. I think I had to listen to it for the Oddies and was like, and then I loved it. It was so good and so, so compelling and so heartbreaking and, and just, it was really great. So I've, you have to read Codename Helen too, because that was, I told you that was, yeah, everybody on the committee that I'm on was like, oh, I can't believe you're making me read a World War II book. And then we loved it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's your next book? Next is Whisper Down the Lane by Clay Clay McLeod Chapman. It's hard to say in a row. And that comes out in April 6th, on April 6th. And this is a thriller that is a take on the satanic panic of the 1980s, which I think sounds really fun. I mean, not fun, fun, but kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's about a five-year-old boy named Sean who tells a lie when he's questioned by his mother about a teacher at his daycare. And that has a devastating consequence on the daycare and the teacher and starts a panic that sweeps the nation. And in the, in the modern day, a husband and father named Richard works as an art teacher at, at his stepson's school, and he lives a very quiet but fulfilled life, and everything is going fine until the gruesome body of a rabbit is left for him with a note that points to the lie that Sean told 30 years ago. So someone wants to resurrect the past and the secrets that Richard has been keeping um, and make someone pay for this this lie. So I remember the fear of satanism in the 80s i was obviously a kid um or maybe not obviously i was a kid (laughs) and but i remember that being a big thing of of just it was always in the news and so this is such a weird true episode from our culture where Mm -hmm. it caused a lot of changes in parenting there was sort of this loss of innocence um at the time from you know, like the 70s and 80s were the heyday of serial killers and, and just things changed a lot in the culture. And there was a, a fear of strangers that seemed to not exist as much that has uh, sort of infiltrated our, our culture ever since. Mm-hmm. And so um, I love a book that has a true crime angle that sort of mm-hmm. tells things in a more, um, in a fictional way, but but takes things from the real culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just I just think this sounds really interesting. And it's, and it's from uh, Quirk Books, which usually I find the things that they do very compelling and Mm -hmm. and sort of out of the box a little bit as the name would imply. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think this is very, very uh, buzzy in my department right now Mm -hmm. because all of us are 
uh, true crime and horror and thriller um, uh, enablers <laughs> with each other. <laughs> so, um, so I'm excited. That is Whisper Down the Lane by Clay McLeod Chapman. That sounds scary, but okay, you can read it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it might be more thrillery. It yeah, it could be. be more thriller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I put it on the list, so you might have to read it. Yeah, I might have to. All right. So <laughs> my next one is The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. It comes out uh, March 9th. And I um, didn't mean to do this, but I'm going to continue on the theme of royalty adjacent <laughs> books because this one is a mystery about the queen deciding to investigate the death of a man who dies uh, after a party at her palace. So... Um, the death seems to be a case of autoerotic asphyxiation, but the queen, oh, and nobody wants to tell the queen that because she is so proper, uh, but she does find out about it and she believes something more sinister happened and she's, she spent a lifetime observing people and she's a big mystery buff in this world. And so she decides that she's going to start looking into it herself because Clearly, nobody else is going to take the reins here and, and figure out what happened. But since she can't exactly go traipsing around looking for suspects and asking questions, she enlists the help of a private secretary to do the legwork. And so the queen will sit kind of in the background and do the problem solving. And then her private secretary will be the one investigating uh, in the interactions with people. So it sounds delightful to me. I'm not always, as you know, uh, mysteries aren't, I enjoy mysteries when I read them, but I don't always seek them out. But this is definitely one I'm going to try to uh, read when I get a chance because I just think it sounds really fun. It sounds like the start of a new series that they're laying the groundwork that the queen will be investigating many other uh, crimes in the future, <laughs> which kind of makes sense because she is put in situations she travels well when we can travel she travels and yeah. she's meeting all different strangers like it just seems like a really good fun setup for um, a mystery series so I'm excited about that that's The Windsor Knot by S.J. Bennett that's actually my next uh, audiobook I have an oh, advanced nice. audio copy of it and um, once I finish my I'm listening to my um, African-American classic right uh -huh. now on audio and then I that's the next one I'm going to pick up so I'm, I'm really oh, excited for that nice. too um, so next is Arsenic and Adobo by oh. Mia P. Mansala. I um, Or Mansala, I should say. And yeah, it sounds so fun. It comes out on May 4th and it's a food cozy mystery with a Filipino protagonist. And her, uh, the, the protagonist is named uh, Lila um, Macapagal. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, and she moves back home after her breakup and she because of that feels like she's just living all the typical rom-com tropes because that's already a trope of the the post breakup um, move, mm -hmm. and she's uh, tasked with saving her aunt's restaurant, and she's at the same time being set up by her meddling family to um, date all these different men, and she just wants to wallow. So it's it's really like a Nora Ephron um, classic that that she's living. But then the food critic um or a food critic comes to the restaurant who is also her ex and he dies after arguing with her and so she realizes this isn't the the cute rom-com that she thought she was in she's actually in an agatha christie book and so <laughs> she's um she's blamed for this because of this argument and so besides being a suspect uh her aunt's restaurant is also threatened because of of the 
you know, the food aspect of it. And that can also be used against them by their landlord who has been trying to kick them out to, to gentrify the area. So Lila, of course, has to investigate. And I just think this sounds so charming. Um, and after my love of a deadly inside scoop last year, I'm just really thrilled to see more mainstream publishing um, handling diverse cozies. And you really, in the scheme of Asian uh, populated books, mm-hmm. Filipino um, characters are not really the focus ever. You, right. you don't see that very often. And so I just think this sounds adorable and delicious. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I... Uh, have always wanted to learn to make adobo so I will mm. probably have to do that <laughs> so I'm very excited that is Arsenic and Adobo by Mia P. Manansala I do have a couple of friends that have read it uh, and one of whom used to be on reading list with me and he uh, he loved it so oh, I good. have high hopes that I'm gonna like it as well yeah yeah all right my next one is Early Morning Riser by Katherine Heine and it comes out on April 13th uh, I really, really liked Heine's, Heine's last book. It was called Standard Deviation. Uh, oh, but okay. yeah. I was kind of so-so on her first book, which was called Single Carefree Mellow, uh, which I think were short stories, if I'm remembering. There were interconnected short stories, maybe. Uh, anyway, I'm curious to see where this one falls. I'm curious enough that I'm definitely going to be reading it. Uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. But it's one that it's not like a surefire hit the way I think something like the rose code will be for me. So, yeah. um, but I, re- I really do have high hopes because what it sounds like is very much like what I liked about standard deviation will also be in this book. So I think that that's a good start. Uh, it is about a woman named Jane who is in her mid twenties and she moves to Michigan to teach second grade. And she immediately falls for a man named Duncan, who is a very charming and handsome woodworker, uh, but maybe not entirely reliable. She's warned by a friend that he's had a lot of girlfriends. He is divorced uh, and has been divorced for a little while. I think uh, the reviews I read said about 10 years. So he's had some time to date around and it sounds like he took advantage of that time. And he also still seems involved in his ex-wife's life in a way that doesn't feel doesn't feel like they're still romantically involved, but maybe if you are dating this man, you would prefer he keeps more separation from his ex-wife where he, he's, it sounds like he's kind of at her beck and call if something goes wrong in her house or something, Ooh, he'll, he'll run over and help. That's fix a deal it. breaker. So, right. Right. So anyway, so, um, it just sounds like maybe he hasn't entirely extricated himself from that past relationship, but it does, it seems like it doesn't matter to Jane because she's in love and she thinks he's wonderful. And then the book follows them for the next 17 years of them in being in each other's lives. And this is why, this is the element of why I have such high hopes. Standard Deviation, if you haven't read it, uh, was about a marriage, basically. It was about a man uh, and a woman and their at least one child. Uh, and it was, so it was a lot about marriage. It was about parenthood. And it was just really funny to me and had really astute observations about relationships and parenthood. And so I think, I think this sounds like a setup for very similar kinds of things to be in this book when you are watching Jane and Duncan and uh, their friends and his ex-wife. And I think you just have all of the building blocks for a similar sort of book that is going to appeal to me. Uh, one One review referred to it as touching and fizzy in the same review. And those words are just... Hallie Catnip, the fact that there's going to be some heart to it, but it's also kind of light and fluffy just sounds 
perfect for me. So that is Early Morning Riser by Katherine Heine. And I also wake up really early in the morning, so I identify with the title. <laughs> okay. Um, so next is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, and it comes out on May 4th. And he is Andy Weir is super famous. He's the author of The Martian, um, which is the only sci-fi book I have ever truly loved. So, um, so that says a lot. Uh, his next book, Artemis, I didn't enjoy as much. I, I thought it was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't sort of the blockbuster that The Martian was. But I've heard incredible things about the, his new book, um, and so I, I have really high hopes. Um, it's about a man named Ryland Grace who wakes up from a long sleep without knowing his own name or what he's doing, but he has two dead crewmates with him. So um, he is millions of miles into space, and he doesn't know yet that he's on a mission to save the world. Something has gone terribly wrong, and um, he's the only survivor, and so now he's alone with these corpses, and he only has the slightest inkling of what is happening, and um, his his memories are starting to come back a little bit, but, but he really doesn't have anything. Um, he's not equipped at all for what he will need to do, and he's the only chance that Earth has to survive. So to me, that sounds like it has the same tension as The mm-hmm. Martian, but also what what really made The Martian stand out to me was the humor. Mm-hmm. And and the way the blurb was written, I haven't really focused on that quite as much, um, just because I didn't want to regurgitate the blurb, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's the way that... It, it comes off as funny. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, so I feel like this uh, could be a natural successor to The Martian and hopefully isn't too derivative of it, but it, mm-hmm. it feels it feels like his style. And so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about this. So that is uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. So I don't know if you saw, but somebody on our committee has already read this and said, yes, it is much better. Not much better. She liked it as much as The, as the Martian. It's really yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's a good sign. Yeah, and also, kudos to me for including a sci-fi book. Kudos <laughs> to you. Good job. Taking uh, one for the team. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to that one too, and I have—I yeah. still haven't talked about it, but I—I I mean, I had to eat my own words because right after I, know. I talked there, I mean, one of my favorite books that I read last—or no, I guess I did. I read it. Th- I read it this year. I, it will be one of my favorite books, I think, for 2021. Was a sci-fi book. It was yeah. amazing. So. Um, yeah, I'll talk about it at some point when we have a good topic for it. But that's, we're, that's, uh, certainly at the end of the year, when we're doing favorites of the year, it will show up there. But it was really, yeah. really good. Well, that's kind of that's one of the reasons I'm excited about the the committee is uh-huh. is that I I know that this will as everyone on the committee has sort of talked about it mm-hmm. sort of forces you to read outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that anyway quite a bit. Right. But but sci-fi is like my my. Uh, I don't know if white whale would be appropriate there. But it's, <laughs> it's like the the one the one stumbling block I have right. as a reader. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to be forced to find some things that really appeal to me. Yeah. All right. So my next one is right in my wheelhouse. It is not my white whale. It is The Dating Plan by Sarah Desai. It comes out March 16th. And it is a romantic comedy, which we know I am all about right now. Mm-hmm. It is about a woman named Daisy who is a software engineer, and her family is pressuring her to get married. But she has just recently walked in on her boyfriend with another woman. <laughs> so that doesn't seem Ooh. super likely anytime soon. She's not feeling uh, the love for relationships at the moment. Um, and she goes to a conference and sees uh, this man at the conference who 
was her prom date when she was in high school and he stood her up. So she's in this moment in her life where she thinks, can things get any worse? Not only did I just walk in on my boyfriend with another woman, now I'm seeing the guy who stood me up. Like, can I feel more rejection in my life? <laughs> and then Liam, the guy who stood her up, uh, ha has always felt terrible about the fact that that happened and nothing I'm sure that's part of the story of why he stood her up so I don't know why but my sense is there's going to be a reason why he had to stand her up but he has just inherited his family's distillery after his grandfather passed away and there's only one catch which he has just learned which is that his grandfather put in his will that the only way he can keep the distillery is if he gets married before his next birthday <laughs> so you see where this is going he sees Daisy at this conference. They start talking. Uh, it, it must come up that she, her family is pressuring her. He obviously has a situation with his family that he can't inherit without getting married. So he proposes a fake engagement plan uh, that they will be able to get both of their families off their back and allow him to inherit the distillery. And then once everyone starts minding their own business, they can just quietly break up and go their merry way. And live their lives the way they want. But of course, things aren't going to go as planned. Sparks start to fly as they spend time together. They are reminded of their feelings that they had for each other back in high school. And it just sounds really cute and fun. And I, I mean, give me all the romantic comedies right now. This just, <laughs> I just want to read it. So that's The Dating Plan by Sarah Desai. That sounds fun. It sounds cute. It sounds Hallmark. Yep. Yeah. Um, so... The next book is very much in my wheelhouse. It is Madam by Phoebe Wynn, and it comes out on May 18th. And it is set in an all-girls boarding school called uh, Calden Bray Hall. And it has been perched on a Scottish cliff for 150 years. And it has a stellar reputation for excellence and training young women to be um, productive members of society. So there is a new classics teacher named Rose Christie, who is the first new hire in 10 years. And she's incredibly intimidated with, with the reputation that this, this school has and, and to be a part of it. But she finds that her modern teaching methods are out of sync with the school's traditions. And so through that, she, she realizes that something mysterious was going on with her predecessor's departure which happened really suddenly but no one will discuss it so she's sort of searching around for answers about this former teacher and and um what happened there and in that process she finds out darker secrets about the school itself and how she's playing into uh those secrets that she she didn't know about so i think that girls schools are a huge fiction trend right now I feel like every other book that's coming out is about a girls school and um, I am 100% here for that I feel like witches and girls schools are the two things I want to read about right now um, and even better when they're creepy and gothic so um, the the blurb for this one described it as a darkly feminist tale so it checks all of my boxes and that is Madam by Phoebe Wynn as somebody who went to an all-girls school, I have to say that not as many crazy things happen <laughs> when you attend one of these as they make it seem like it. But... How dare you um, um, disillusion me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually did a list for work called, uh, I think, just girls' school because we do, we do, um, we call it a virtual book display, and it's it's sort of just trends that we're seeing or topics mm -hmm. or whatever and so I did one of those and at first it was called gothic girls school mm -hmm. and then I thought oh there's tons of them that are coming out that are just uh drama that's happening right. there and in my little I have to write a little blurb for it and I I wrote 
how it's always girls school stories are always prime for for drama and so you're disavowing that now i'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> i mean there's drama but just like at any school i don't know yeah it's maybe particular. not <laughs> i mean maybe it's heightened because it's all girls i don't know yeah don't know. it's just a gothic stuff i think no that's not yeah not so much but but could. i didn't go to boarding school it was just a day school so. and it was in ohio which isn't known for its gothic no it's intrigue not. That's true. <laughs> All right. So my next one is When the Stars Go Dark by Paula McLean. It comes out April 13th. And Paula McLean is known for, I think, most well known for his, her historical novels. Um, one of which, well, actually, a few are my probably among my all-time favorites. Circling the Sun was a book I absolutely adored when it came out. And The Paris Wife also, which was a huge book club book uh, a few years ago. So I'm sure people are familiar with at least one of those this one is a little bit of a departure it's more of a thriller but it sounds like it still has some of those historical elements that we all loved that those of us that loved the books that she wrote uh prior to this so i feel like i'm very intrigued by this that when i read the the blurb about it i thought oh this is one i definitely definitely want to read uh, it's about a woman who returns to her hometown after a tragic accident that the reader doesn't learn about. It sounds like until the very end of the book, what happened in that accident, you just know that the reverberations from the accident are impacting Anna, the main character. And it's uh, definitely caused some strife in her marriage. And so it's, that's a part of the suspense I think is you're as a reader, not quite sure exactly what caused her to return to her hometown. Uh, but she uh, she has a job in San Francisco, I believe, as an investigator who finds missing people, I think. Uh, so then when she returns home, it's supposed to be kind of an escape. She's on leave from her job, but of course she can't resist. Uh, there's a local girl who has gone missing, and so she starts looking into it. And what she realizes is very quickly that it reminds her very much of a similar crime that happened when she was in high school when one of her friends went missing. And so Anna works to solve both the current crime and the past crime and looks into whether or not this is, they are connected. This is actually the same series of crimes or if they're distinct from each other. Um, so it sounds a lot, so it sounds a little bit like if you like true crime, documentaries and things like that. I don't know. It sounded to me when I was reading the blurb that had some of those elements, but it does have that historical, I mean, slightly historical. I think that the earlier timeline is like in the 80s or something like that, which to me, the 80s doesn't feel that long ago, but it actually <laughs> was kind of a long time ago. So um, the one of the reviews that I read described it as stunning. And it seems like from what I can tell, it really d dives into the human side of these cases, like kind of the sensational cases you hear about when mm -hmm. somebody goes missing, that it dives into uh, the people behind that. So that to me is very appealing. Of course, I love character development and the character side of books more than plot-driven things. So this sounds to me like the kind of thriller that is going to really grab me. And that is the When the Stars Go Dark by Paula McLean. That's interesting because that's always something that's a, a big uh, tension and um, occasionally comes up as a big discussion with, for fans of, of true crime, of mm -hmm. 
uh, and some, certainly something that I struggle with quite a bit of of being interested in it, but also realizing this is someone's real life and right, a real right. tragedy, and and is it is it moral and ethical to right. have entertainment from right. something well, that, that is yeah. a tragedy? I mean, I know. So I don't I don't watch or listen or read as much true crime as I think many. Many other people do, but of course I listened to Serial when that was uh, that first season of Serial was such a big deal. And I remember that being one of the criticisms of Serial is we were getting so much information about the uh, accused and convicted perpetrator of the crime and questioning whether he had done it. But we maybe lost sight of the fact that a, a young girl died, a yeah. you know, 16 or 18 year old girl died and had a family who missed her and um so yeah I think that I think this is an interest it seems like it will be an interesting um perspective potentially and I do think that again Paula McLean so far the books that I've read are all about real historical figures that she imagines their interior life basically and so she's very good at bringing to life people's um emotional and psychological interior lives so I think yeah. that, that that's it, it, again I think this is this is a book that really intrigues me I definitely think that this is going to be one I like yeah I just remembered we saw her in Savannah together we did we did that was so fun I know yeah it feels like a lifetime ago <laughs> it does feel like a lifetime ago that was right after Circling the Sun came out I think yeah I think it was yeah. promotion for right yeah for that Okay, next is The Other Black Girl by Zakaya Dahlia Harris, and it comes out on June 1st, and it is so buzzy right now. I, I feel like I'm seeing it every place. And how could it not be when it's being called uh, Get Out Meets The Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> <laughs> and it's on so, my birthday. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, I have more on your birthday. I know there are a lot of books coming out on my birthday. It yeah. feels like a personal gift to me. It must be a Tuesday. It is a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> So this is about an editorial assistant named Nella Rogers, who has long been the only black employee at, I think it's a publisher, um, if it's an editorial assistant, called uh, Wagner Books. And um, that comes with a lot of uh, negativities that you would assume from being isolated in that way. So there's, it's it's supposed to be a liberal uh, environment, and instead there's lots of microaggressions and just just ridiculous things that uh, people of color have to put up with um, in mostly white environments. So she is thrilled when a woman named Hazel, who uh, is from Harlem, comes to the company and um, is sitting next to her and, and she seems very friendly and that they can be good friends. And so um, something happens. I don't, it doesn't say in the, in the blurb what happens, but something happens that makes Hazel become the office darling while Nella is on the outs. And so She's sort of dealing with that fallout, and then a note is left on her desk that says to leave Wagner now, so she doesn't know what that means, and it just sounds so intriguing. So this is a thriller plus social commentary, which means that I can't wait for it. Um, That's pretty much all I want to read right now. I I feel very drawn to this type of book, like, um, uh, oh shoot, what's the name of it? The Alyssa Cole book there when no one is watching is, mm-hmm. is kind of in that same vein. And so um, I'm, I'm just really stoked for this. And that is The Other Black Girl by Zakaya Dahlia Harris. All right. So my next one is The Final Revival of Opal and Neve or Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. It comes out or Donnie Walton. It comes out 330. No, comes out March 30th. <laughs> uh, 
And so a few years ago, I read and absolutely loved Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this sounds like a very similar premise. Uh, It is an oral history of a music duo. So it's about Opal Jewell, who is an Afropunk performer in the 70s, and her white musical partner, Nev Charles, or Neve Charles. And it's about their rise to fame. It's about them meeting each other, and then their rise to fame. And then at the height of their fame, Opal is photographed draped in the Confederate flag during a protest that turns into a riot. And it it basically causes their career to take a nosedive. So the oral history format is not something I had read much of before Daisy Jones and the Six, but I found it so perfect for that story. If you're not familiar, Daisy Jones and the Six is also about a band. And so that that format is giving you everybody's individual perspective of all the different times in their life that have led up to what the public knows about them. So um, this sounds like it has all of the behind the scenes goodness of Daisy Jones, uh, but but also incorporates more serious themes about systemic racism and freedom of of expression. And I just feel like that blend I think will work really well when you marry that with that oral history format. Obviously fictional oral history, these are not real people that ever were famous. Um, but I always love, like I love documentaries about musicians. There was a great Amy Winehouse documentary not too long ago. There was one about the band um, now known as the Chicks. At the time they were known about the Dixie Chick, or they were known as the Dixie Chicks and they had a documentary where they were filming and um, at a concert made a remark about being ashamed that George Bush was our president. And after that, their fans really, really, really turned on them. And so it, it, it sounds like, and I found that fascinating. I found that whole documentary fascinating. So this book to me, even though it's fictional, will have a lot of those same things about, you know, they get built up, the fans build up these people into these icons and then they do something that they don't agree with and suddenly they turn on them and so it sounds it sounds so good to me so that is the final revival of opal and neve by donnie walton this would have been one of mine if you hadn't put it sorry on the list. no no sorry. that's there's more than enough to pick from but um but yeah this one sounds so so sounds cool so and and i feel like there's a, a rise in like now 70s books are starting mm-hmm. to become sort of sort of trendy and so yeah. um that's not usually an era that i'm terribly drawn to but mm-hmm. i definitely love it in this type of um mm-hmm story so I'm, I'm really excited about it well and I feel like there's something about this I mean I was barely alive in the 70s but there's something about the 70s music scene that feels like a very particular time um, yeah kind of a turning point so I think that's part of there's a lot of rich rich fodder there for a book or multiple books about that yeah time. yeah Everyone just wants to be Stevie Nicks, basically. Yep. Yeah. Did you ever read Daisy Jones in the Six? Oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one of my favorite books of. Yeah. Of, uh, so good. Whatever year it came out. Yeah. Yep. I do you know if the, I guess probably COVID has postponed the adaptation, but I feel like I will not be satisfied until I hear those songs. Oh and yeah. I know it was cast, but um, I can't imagine it's been in production yet. No, I'm looking. Okay, keep talking, and I'm looking. Okay. Um, so my next book is The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. That also comes out on June 1st. And it's set in the 1920s. And I'm not entirely sure how to describe it based on the 
blurb. The easy way of, of describing it is that it's a fantasy retelling of The Great Gatsby. So in the original, Jordan Baker is a side character who is a friend of Daisy Buchanan, and she's sort of the jazz age ideal. So she is a famous golfer, and she's rich and educated and part of this exclusive New York society and and is there to represent the modern woman um and in this book she is also asian and queer and adopted and so she's this insider who is actually an outsider and she's sort of viewed as a novelty by by her friends in in new york um so somehow this is also a fantasy (laughs) (laughs) um and i the blurb i've I've, this, this section took me so long to write last night because um a, I was watching The Masked Singer, and that was messing me up quite a bit. But also because I, the the blurb is really um, poetic, and I didn't know how to write that, and and really what it was telling me about the book. So, um, so I don't I don't know what how this will be. I've read that it's a it's the dark retelling that is how Gatsby should have been written is is what one reviewer said. So that really intrigues me, and the cover is is stunning. So I'm. I'm all in on this one. I, I hope that it, it lives up to, to what I'm expecting from it. And it, that is The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. I'm so curious about this one because I read a book by that author for the first time just a few, just last month uh, for Reading List and did not get great Gatsby vibes in any way, shape or form. It was a very kind of dreamlike book that I read. It was a novella actually. And so I'm so curious, like, yeah what this is going to be like um, yeah i i don't i don't know at all what to yeah, what to expect. expect it just sounds interesting all right so no update on daisy jones and the six the last things i'm seeing are from early 2020 so my guess is COVID has just really messed up time frame yeah on that. yeah so we'll see <sighs> Okay, my next one is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. It comes out on my birthday, June 1st. Uh, I've actually already read this one, but I wanted to talk about it because I think it is one that is pretty highly anticipated for people who liked Red, White, and Royal Blue that came out a couple of years ago. This is her second book. So Mm -hmm. this is another romance, uh, this time uh, starring two women, and has a little bit of kind of a twist to it uh, that I don't, I wasn't expecting when I picked it up, but once I got into it, I went with it and I thought it was a really, really fun, fun book. Uh, so it's about this girl named August who moves to Brooklyn at age 23 to attend college. And she's had kind of an interesting life. Her mom, so her mom raised her alone and her mom is a conspiracy theorist. And so she pulled August into her many investigations into um, different things about finding missing people but primarily about finding August's missing uncle and they would sort of go down these rabbit holes and August never really had a very stable life because of it Um, and so she tends to she's an interesting mix because she tends to be very guarded and a little bit jaded about life and about people but she also is rather inexperienced she hasn't had a whole lot of Uh, life experiences she's never really had very strong friendships and she's been moved around a lot even in her college career she's switched uh, schools a few times and switched majors and different things so she just feels kind of unsettled it's it's, she's an interesting character because she um, 
is kind of prickly, but then at the same time, you can tell she just wants to be loved and accepted like everybody. Um, mm. So she moves into an apartment with this very eccentric trio of roommates and uh, they're so great. They're so wonderful. Um, and one day she is on her way to school and she's on the subway and she sees a woman on the subway and is immediately spit, smitten by this woman. She just, there's something about her that she just is like, Ooh, I, I am interested in her. You know, that's, that spark happens. And strangely, this woman seems to be on the subway every single time August is on the subway. And so it feels a little bit like maybe fate is bringing them together because what are the chances of that in New York that you would be seeing the same person over and over on the subway? And they seem to be hitting it off. They start talking and this woman on the subway, her name is Jane. So August gets up the courage one day and decides to ask Jane out and Jane declines and says, I'm, I can't. And August is just absolutely crushed and thinks, well, how did I read that so wrong? And this is the first time she's really acted on any sort of romantic feelings for somebody. But soon it becomes clear that there's maybe more going on. And maybe that Jane saying she can't go on a date is true. She can't actually leave the subway, perhaps, for some Ooh. reason. This is, like I said, it's different from Red, White, and Royal Blue, which was more of a I mean, it was still kind of like a fantasy world because mm -hmm. we're looking at uh, royalty and uh, the presidency and stuff. But um, but so it has this little bit of a twist to it, but uh, it has so many of the same elements. So if you liked Red, White and Royal Blue, I still think you're going to like this one. Has lots of humor, has really good, uh, strong characterization, lots of fun pop culture references and little side comments and jokes and things that are that were really great. To me, the star of the show, I mean, the romance is really good. Like, I have to say, the romance is very, very good. It's very, the way it's developed is is really strong. But I adored the found family aspect of this story of August's roommates and various other people that she meets through them. The way that they are all individuals, they have, they're all their own things going on, but they all love each other so much and they just embrace August and they pull her into their family. And I just loved it. So that is uh, One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. I'm really looking forward to this one too. Um, I, Red, White and Royal Blue was sort of a surprise favorite of, mm -hmm. of that year for me. And so, um, and just found that that whole, you know, I, I like romantic comedy mm -hmm. uh, books quite a bit more than I like the movies, actually, yeah. which we've we've uh, I know is a hard thing for you. <laughs> um, but I I sometimes can find them a little thin mm -hmm. um, depending on on the author. And this one was just such a a rich world. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I just really, really loved it. And so I'm, I'm really excited for this one, too, and expect great things from it. Yes, I think that. Um... Absolutely. It absolutely has those same things that made people fall in love with red, white, and royal blue. I, um, but I hope people aren't, I hope they go into it with an open mind because it's not the same story as red, white, and royal right. blue, you know, so that's the only thing I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, my last book um, <laughs> is When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen, and it is out on August 3rd, and it's about a, a woman named Mira from a small southern town that she left years ago um, to escape her past, which included her best friend, Celine, who was white, while Mira is black, and Celine was ridiculed for her friendship with Mira. She was the only uh, white person in their community, uh, maybe I don't know if I should say that of the only white person. I don't I don't know that for sure, but but in their friend group no one 
uh, had black friends. So um, Mira is now returning to her town to attend Celine's wedding at Woodsman Plantation, which is another reason that Mira left to, um, to escape this this place. Um, it's it's uh, known for being really creepy, and Mira was involved in a dare that went wrong there that um, ended up almost causing her crush Jesse to be arrested for murder. So something has happened there. Um, so at the wedding, Mira discovers that everything has been restored to its antebellum past. So the service staff is all black and the entertainment uh, consists of, of horrifying, historically accurate reenactments. But in a weird way, the racist past has also um, been erased from the plantation. Mm-hmm. So there's been rumors of ghosts of slaves that haunt the grounds there um, for years. And there's just no mention of that. And so um, so it's just this weird... Uh, it kind of reminds me of Get Out, actually, of, mm-hmm. of like... Th- knowing that there's something totally off that that is this elephant in the room that no one is is discussing so when she's there mira is going to have to confront her own past along with the plantation's history and how those overlap so if you're uh following any of the bachelor controversies right now that are going on this feels very very timely and i was excited about this um before any of that that came out Mm -hmm. um because that's something that's that's fascinated me for a long time. I, I lived in in Beaufort um, near Savannah during the whole um, uh, shoot. What's her name? Uh, Paula Dean controversy of mm-hmm. of having these plantation themed events and and sort of not understanding the issues with that. And so it, that's something that I've always been intrigued by and and sort of that uh, um cognitive dissonance that comes from living in the south and having ideas of this beautiful setting that you realize can't work with the realities of of its history and and sort of coming to terms with that and and um, i just find that completely fascinating so um so this has a spooky twist to it which makes it even even better to me so so yeah i i think that this will be really cool so that is when the reckoning comes by latanya mcqueen All right, so my last one is one I don't know very much about at all, so it's going to be a very quick uh, little conversation. (laughs) Uh, It is Island Queen by Vanessa Riley. It comes out July 6th. Uh, It is historical fiction about a real person, which you know I love. It reimagines the life of a woman named Dorothy Kerwin Thomas, who went from being an enslaved person to a rich landowner in the colonial West Indies in uh, the 18th century, I believe, or the 19th century. And there's... 18th? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, So there's really not much else I know about it, but I did read a romance last year by the same author, and I thought it was fine as a romance, but what I really liked about it were the historical details because it was clear she had researched and knew the time period and some things about uh, what she – it felt a little different from other historical romances that feel like they're basically modern just with fancy dresses and stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. but this felt really grounded in history, and so I – I think that I am more likely to enjoy something by this author that is pure historical fiction rather than with the romance element to it. Uh, So that's Island Queen by Vanessa Riley. This one has such a beautiful cover too that Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw this come through my, my like titles at work and, Uh and she has like kind of an interesting publishing history with her, Mm -hmm. her romance background and then Mm -hmm. is doing something that's, that's just pure historical fiction and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm really intrigued by this too. And and plus, like, 
a book of that era that is not centered on that's that's obviously deals with slavery but is centered on like a black person's mm-hmm. success right. in that era yeah, yeah. is really intriguing so yeah. I, yeah. I think that'll be really cool yeah and i i mean there are plenty of historical novels that aren't about world war ii but there are a lot of historical novels that are about <laughs> world war ii so it's always nice and i like i i mean the rose code right my very first book was about yeah. world war ii but there it's nice to see other aspects of history being represented in historical fiction yeah that sound um like they will be really strong um strong novels Imagine right, so, that there are millennia that happened outside of World War II that we I can know. we can Shock. explore. I know, I know. Uh, all right, so we will be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? I just finished a book called The Glim by Emily Rada, and uh, I listened to it for a professional commitment. Um, and at first I thought this is not going to be good because it is a richly illustrated children's book. And I thought this is not appropriate for audio. Right. Um, if it, if it, the book itself on the cover has the illustrator just as prominently named as the, as the author. So I thought what a terrible idea, but I was wrong and I'll (laughs) tell you why later. Um, so it's about a boy named Finn who lives with his grandparents in a lakeside town called, uh, witch aunt. And it's, he's supposed to be working, but he's slacking off by drawing mystical beings that he sees in his head. And this, this seems to happen a lot. Um, and so he's caught not working and his grandfather and I think his employer, I, I don't remember now um, who the other person is, but they're furious. And he's threatened with this dire punishment. But then a woman from a cliffside mansion that that's sort of uh separate from the town the the kind of the haves and the haves not have nots uh uh class distinction exists there and she's driving past and she sees this happening and she offers to take finn off their hands and she will pay gold for him um and so she says that she's the housekeeper of this mansion which is called edge house and her grand and finn's grandfather at first is really upset and says no we need him to work he's he's we need that income but when he sees the gold he he accepts so um they leave immediately and finn really has no idea what she expects of him and and what what this what his life is going to be like and she's just a strange and sort of creepy woman she really reminded me of the other mother in Coraline. Mm -hmm. and um side note anytime i mention a book i sort of curse myself because i have to do the show notes and Ah. so anytime i'm like oh i shouldn't have said another book because that means i have to link everything (laughs) Anyway, um, and so they get to this mansion and she shows him the series of fantastical paintings that um, sort of uh, depict events and she wants him to recreate them. And he has this artistic talent, but he sees that they're far beyond his abilities. And she keeps telling him to look deeper into the into the paintings. And so he doesn't really know what that means, but he finally is staring at them and he's taken through the painting into a world of magic and dragons. And so the book is, is kind of at that point, just your, your typical adventure quest. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of ways of Lord of the Rings and, and sort of that band of um, different, uh, different groups that have different abilities that sort of come together for a common purpose and, and are trying to, to um, 
uh, travel to to do a, a task. Um, I will say that is not my favorite kind of book. Um, mm-hmm. This is good for, for what that is. It's very beautifully written. Um, but the book itself is not really why I'm talking about uh, about it. But it's not disparaging of the book at all. It's just not, not my thing. But the reason I'm talking about it is to, once again, reiterate the power of a great narration. Because the real star for me is the narrator, Andrew Scott, who plays Moriarty oh, in yeah. Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, and he's the priest in Fleabag. The hot priest, who, yeah. The hot priest. And so he already has this gorgeous voice. He has a beautiful Irish accent. And he is just a really, really good actor. So one of the things I find with audiobooks is that um, you would think that an actor would always be a great narrator, and that is definitely not the case. I've listened to a lot of books that have very, very, very famous actors narrating who are just kind of flat. They they read it, and it they read it well, but they're reading it like you'd read a book to a kid where you're just just reading the story and that doesn't equal a good audiobook and so um he is a very i i think that there are some actors like dan stevens people who have a a really strong audiobook background as well and i would put andrew scott in there because he plays all these characters with this giant range of british accents and and really makes it come alive and at certain points he was just whispering like just just to add drama to the story it wasn't because it called for it necessarily with the direction of of the text it's just how he chose to convey those parts to to make you really um wrapped it uh at at what he's saying so at certain points um i realized that just through the the attention i was paying through the power of his voice i wasn't actually really listening to the story it was like I was just listening to individual words that he was speaking because they were just so beautiful. And like, I didn't know what was going on. I just cared about how he was speaking. So, um, so really this begs the question, has he ever been involved with anything where he doesn't steal the show? Because (laughs) that sort of seems to be the theme of everything he's involved in. So it is fabulous if you get, if you can, uh, if you, it's only about five hours long, this audiobook. Uh-huh. So if you have a chance, I would highly recommend his narration. So that is The Glim by Emily Rada and, and narrated by Andrew Scott. And I will link to uh, Libro FM uh, link as well to okay. yeah. uh, give you Audio. access to that. So thanks. The book I actually just finished last night that I referenced earlier today, it doesn't come out till August. So I decided not to talk about that, even though we just did like a preview show I just I don't know for some reason I thought like let me talk about something else because this doesn't come out till August yeah. um, so I, I talk uh, I want to talk about an audiobook that I listened to not too long ago called Agatha Arch is Afraid of Everything by Kristen Baer this is very very much in the vein of a book like Where'd You Go Bernadette or even a little bit of oh shoot Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine like something like that where you have a very very quirky main character and the whole story is about her dealing with the world pretty much. So Agatha <laughs> Arch is an author uh, and a mother and is pretty quirky and peculiar. And as the title says, she's kind of afraid of everything. Uh, and one day walks in on her husband uh, with the dog walker in their shed and gets very angry and takes a hatchet and tears the shed down basically with the hatchet. <laughs> her husband is sort of, immediately just saying well sorry I fell in love with this other woman I'm out I'm leaving I'm gonna go move in with her he immediately says we'll split time with the kids I mean he's just done he is he is gone and Agatha is 
completely flummoxed. She doesn't know what to do with herself because she thought their life was fine uh, and now is they're completely at loose ends. At the same time, she's supposed to be working on a book, which she hasn't started yet. It's supposed to be, uh, and I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering what she usually writes, but she's decided to write something different. She's decided to write a thriller instead of whatever she usually writes and hasn't been able to even start it. And she keeps getting more and more frantic messages from her agent saying, where's the book, where's the book? And she keeps promising it and it's, it's nowhere to be found. The whole book is basically Agatha just trying to get her life together. I mean, that's the book. And so very, again, very similar if you read uh, Where'd You Go Bernadette? Or I know they made a movie out of it, although I have not seen it, but I'm guessing it has the same uh, same premise uh, of this woman who kind of finds everything about her suburban life a little bit ridiculous, but also that's the life that she knows. So um trying to work within it. So with Agatha Arch, the to me, one of the funniest parts is she's far, part of a Facebook group on, for moms, a mom's Facebook group. And she finds it just completely ridiculous, but at the same time, can't resist engaging in the conversations that happen there. Um, and so there's this ongoing joke about this one woman who keeps asking for opinions on desk lamps. She'll send pictures of two different desk lamps and say, which one's, which one do you think I should get? And Agatha's constantly like yelling at her in all caps on Facebook saying, they look the same as a desk lamp, just pick one. <laughs> um, and then um, there's one part, there's one woman who's part of this mom's group who's trying to befriend Agatha and Agatha's very suspicious of her. Like, why are you trying to befriend me? I'm not even very nice. And so I don't know, it's very funny. I thought it was a great audiobook. And part of the reason I liked it as an audio is because it truly didn't like stand out to me as particularly innovative or offering something new in this this little small genre of um, books about suburbia that we're seeing. Um, but it was funny and it was fun to listen to. It was a great way to pass the time. Um, if I'd been reading the print version, I feel like I may have gotten a little bit uh, impatient with the progress of Agatha because she doesn't really make much progress in her interpersonal skills until kind of the end. Um, but it, for an audiobook, it was great to just sit back and kind of listen and laugh and and uh, watch as she she's kind of completely ridiculous. So that is Agatha Arch is Afraid of Everything by Kristen Baer. That you're right that that I've I've actually done a list of those types of books too for work of like quirky yeah out of uh, like fish out of water yeah. or out of their element um uh main characters and and there's such a it's such a trend right now but it's yeah. it's a really um I think relatable yeah. trend for yeah even if you have your life together more than that there's everyone sort of experiences those yeah. those feelings so yeah and um, I think if you know everybody is familiar with some of the stuff that happens on social media, like Facebook or Nextdoor, that make you roll your eyes a little bit. So I think there's something there. There's a lot of funny little observations that are are a pleasure to read. So yeah, I even though like I said, place. oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, I was just gonna say, even though it's not maybe particularly new or different, it was a fun. It was a really fun yeah. lesson. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I need to move to a neighborhood that has a vibrant next door oh my gosh. Um, commentary going because I think I could, I, it's probably good actually that I'm not, because I don't, I, I would get too into it because I, I love like online, like 
if I'm not involved, I love a good online controversy. <laughs> well, so. I have a friend who for a while, she's back on at least Instagram now, but for a while she had sworn off all social media because it was making, she was a new mom and it was making her just feel bad kind of about herself. So yeah. she just swore off all social media. And Nextdoor was the only one that she would still allow herself to be on. I think she sort of justified it is because it can be really useful sometimes if you want to get rid of something, you can put it on next door and somebody will come either buy it from you or take it. You know, anyway, it can be a really useful um, website as well. But anyway, so she would get super into next door and she would text me. This is my next door, my old next door neighbor. So we were in the same neighborhood, obviously. And she would text me like, have you looked at next door today? Like, did you see the drama? <laughs> I'd be like Sarah. No, I don't look at I don't look at Nextdoor the way you do. Um, and, and so uh, Jer- Jeremy and I get a very big laugh out of Nextdoor. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's go back and read off all the books that we talked about today. Okay. Um, I talked about Call Baby by Morgan Jenkins, Whisper Down the Lane by Clay McLeod Chapman, Arsenic and Adobo by Mia P. Manansala, um, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, Madam by Phoebe Wynn. The Other Black Girl by Zakiah Dahlia Harris, The Chosen and the Beautiful, The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo, When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen, and what I'm reading this week is The Glim by Emily Rada and narrated by Andrew Scott. All right, and I talked about The Rose Code by Kate Quinn, The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett, Early Morning Riser by Katherine Heine, The Dating Plan by Sarah Desai, When the Stars Go Dark by Paula McLean. The Final Revival of Opal and Neve by Donnie Walton, One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, Island Queen by Vanessa Riley, and what I was listening to this week was Agatha Arch is Afraid of Everything by Kristen Bear. So we would love to hear if there are any books that you're excited about. We talked in our little break about how there were just so many books to choose from. <laughs> so I'm sure that there are books that you're excited about that we missed. So please reach out to us. Um, you can get in touch with us either to give us your book recommendations or feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss uh, at our email, which is wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on our Facebook page, Twitter, or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps people find the show when you do that. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. And as Anne mentioned, whenever we've mentioned other books, uh, we also (laughs) include those on our list. Uh, Thank you all for listening and happy reading.